Well, hello. I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, Superintendent of Schools of Clayton County Public Schools right here in Clayton County in the metro Atlanta, Georgia area. I'm so glad that you're listening to Be Inspired with Beasley. It's my podcast, my small way of trying to inspire and lift our community with actions that I believe will add value to the lives of our students and anyone who listens to this podcast right here in Clayton County and beyond Clayton County. I want to welcome you and welcome you with all of my heart to be inspired with Beasley. You say, well, who is Beasley? Who is Dr. Beasley? Well, first, I'm the superintendent of schools here in Clayton County. This is my fourth year. But I just have a heart for our children, always have. I have been in education 27 years. And children have been my focus, my, even my own four children. I'm a father of four. Uh, and my, my children and their education it has always been, or they have always been, important. Uh, children, the instructional process, the K-12 experience, going to class and meeting teachers has always been so, so, so important to me. You should expect to be a part of conversations about all things education as a part of this podcast. I want to talk about what education is like now in the 21st century. Can you believe it's 2020? And it's a lot different in some respects than than what it was in the 90s. It's, It's changing. And so I want to engage our community. I want to inspire our community about how important education is. I want to talk about things like like leadership and school and classroom instruction and family and programming and opportunities and choices that we have. All the things that matter to ensuring that our children have a positive, a positive experience going through school. I want to talk about social emotional learning. I want to talk about global issues, national issues. Anything that impacts our children, we should and we will spend time discussing those topics with this podcast. So what do I want you to do or be? I want you to be inspired. By the end of every podcast, I want you to be inspired. I want you to think about some actions that you can take to improve your K-12 or experience or that of others, whether it be your children, your relatives, your cousins, your your nieces, your nephews, whoever it is. I want you to be inspired and and, and informed and hopefully uh, enhanced, if you will, to improve that K-12 educational journey that our children need in order to prepare themselves for many opportunities that I believe will come to them in life. So, You'll have a chance over the course of these podcasts to get to know who I am. You'll understand my thinking and and, uh, and not only my thinking, but the thinking of others as we invite guests and others to this platform. We want to hear from them. And so you should expect guests. You should hear uh, people that are very traditional and those who are non-traditionals. Don't expect everyone to think the way I think and don't expect me to think the way you think. You should expect to be inspired, though. You shouldn't expect to be challenged to move toward a higher level in your thinking, a higher level in your education, a higher level in your preparation for life, for post-secondary options. Move to a higher level right here with Be Inspired with 
Dr. Beasley. I want you to know that I appreciate you coming and participating and joining me on this podcast. It's just one effort here in Clayton County. We, we try to use a variety of, of ways to engage our community, and we're so excited. Since this pandemic, we've had uh, several events, whether they're board meetings or critical conversations or uh, YouTube live sessions, and, and we've reached over 100,000 uh, participants in those engagement opportunities. So we know we're doing the right work, and I don't think we'll ever go back to doing everything face-to-face or waiting for you to get in your car and drive to the school or drive to the auditorium or drive to the Performing Arts Center to have a meeting. We're going to use our technology because it appears that more of us are engaged. We have the tools, whether it's a cell phone or iPad or a Chromebook or a laptop. Many of us have the tools And all it takes is the invitation and a link, oftentimes, to get engaged. And so we're going to inspire you, engage you using these various platforms. And we will not be going back to the way things used to be. Shame on us if we decided to do so. Well, today what I'd like to do is give you an update on our pandemic response here in Clayton County Public Schools. I want to say that The pandemic has been very challenging to not only Clayton County, but to school systems around the nation and around the world. But at the same time, it has given Clayton County an opportunity to show a high degree of competence, a high degree of caring for its students, for its employees, a high degree of decision making that clearly, clearly is needed to navigate this situation. So where are we in Clayton County? Uh, We started school on August 10th. That's after our board made the decision to give our staff members five more days of pre-planning so we could clearly prepare to issue devices, Chromebooks, and laptops to our students. So school started on August 10th. Our students have been in school now about five. This is the fifth week of school. And they're learning virtually, 100% virtually online. About 97% of our students are engaging every day with their teachers. We're excited about that. That's a big increase from about 50% during the spring when we did not have devices rolled out on the onset or initially with this pandemic. So we're very pleased with that. But our students are engaging virtually, and our board has committed to the public that we would assess every nine weeks or sooner, if possible, if the data is improving, to see what we would do relative to returning face-to-face. We have prepared uh, or created with, in collaboration with so many members of the, the team and community members, et cetera. We have developed a phase-in approach that we presented to our board at the last board meeting. And they'll consider that phase and approach and our recommendation toward the end of September uh, as we hopefully observe the pandemic data improving so we can get back face-to-face even if we have to phase various grades in according to the plan uh, a week or two weeks at a time. Our goal is to get back face-to-face here in Clayton County. Someone may ask, well, what, what, what will happen to the devices Chromebooks, once you come back face-to-face, those are issued to the students as a part of their instructional supplies. So I would hope that the students will continue to use those devices. Teachers and staff members will use the tools 
to enhance the learning process, to learn and to go and navigate places that uh, without the devices they probably would not be able to get to. So we want to thank our board for approving us, for approving the purchase of the devices in May and our technology department principals for working together as the devices have been ordered and has, as they're being uh, delivered here to the district, we're getting those devices in the hands of our students. So you should expect at the end of September to hear possibly a recommendation to uh, start coming back face-to-face -face at some point in uh, the near future, hopefully in, in, in mid-October or thereafter. But we believe that our families need our kids to come back face to face. And we know that our students are, are excited and, and ready to come back face to face. We're just trying to ensure that we balance all the concerns, if you will, relative to this pandemic. And so in light of that, what I'd like to do today is talk about how tough the decision making has been and, and a framework that I use as superintendent and that I work with the team to make decisions, especially decisions that are um, grounded in not only data, but opinions that people have about what's right and what's wrong, what's good for them and what's not good for them. Clearly, making a decision to return to school during a pandemic or uh, making a decision to engage in virtual learning, these are decisions that we don't make every day. But not only are we making decisions within the school system, but families are making decisions. What do you do when you've got children that are at home virtually learning and you've got to go to work and you've got to balance between supervision and work? What do you do about uh, paying bills when families are dealing with loss of jobs and loss of income or reduction of income and you've got to decide what do you pay first? All of us. Even the school system, you know, we're seeing a, a, a reduction in revenues because of the pandemic as households are experiencing a reduction. And so we've got to make decisions, 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 decisions. But we try to make the decision that is the best decision, the right decision, a good decision, realizing that all decisions have ramifications and, and potential consequences or, or implications. So how can we make those tough decisions and hopefully get the support of most people to support the decision and continue to move forward while we make these decisions. So I'll tell you a few things, seven things that I look at when I make decisions. Um, I, I like to use the word wisdom. I believe that you should ground your decision making in wisdom. Wisdom is the ability not to just know something, but how to apply what you might know, how to practically put into play, put into use knowledge. A lot of people know things, but they don't necessarily use wisdom. They don't know how to apply what they know. So I like to lean toward decision-making that's grounded in wisdom. To know something is one thing, but being able to apply what you know to produce the best outcome for the most people, that requires, in my opinion, wisdom. So what are some things that I look at? There are seven things that I look at, Dr. Beasley, and, and I've been working with the team, whether uh, we share these with everyone or we just consider them in our decision-making. Seven things that I like to look at is the first thing I like to know, uh, 
when we look at various options, we look at the pros and cons, we look at many options, we allow others to share options. And as we land on the decision, we look to see, is that option one that will not cause harm to, the, to people? Is it, is, does it, is it good? Fundamentally, is it good for people? We should never make a decision that would cause harm to ourselves and to others. So we look at whether or not the decision is a pure decision. Does it cause harm? If it does cause harm, it's not the right decision. But if we can say that this is a, a decision that will not cause harm, then we're moving in the right direction. Secondly, I look to see if the decision will bring peace. I don't believe that, and we can see this nationally and, and, and globally, I don't believe that decisions that are good for all, I don't believe that they cause violence or uh, that they cause confusion, but they should cause peace. They should cause peace for people. And so is it a pure decision, but does it cause peace? Does it lend itself to agreement? Does it lend itself to individuals working together in unity? Does it lend itself to peaceable outcomes that are not producing confusion? So being pure, being peaceable. And then next, I look at whether or not the decision is fair. Is it fair to all involved? Is it fair to the students? Is it fair to the employees? Is it fair to the parents? Is it fair to the community? Is it a fair, equitable decision? Does it create gaps? Does it advantage one group over another group? That's a major consideration when you make decisions that impact the lives of children, especially when we know children did not create their zip code or they did not choose the family income. They didn't choose the families they were born into. So we've got to make decisions that are equitable, that are fair to all children. So is it a pure decision? Is it one that doesn't cause harm? Is it a peaceful decision? Is it a, a fair decision? Is it equitable? And then nextly, number four, is it a decision that's open to being uh, flexible? I, I do believe that we're in a democratic society and a lot of the decisions we're making during this pandemic, it's not about what Dr. Beasley wants. It's not about what one person wants. It's what's best for this entire community, what's best for your entire family, what's best for your entire city, what's best for your entire state, what's best for your entire nation, what's best for our world. So is it a flexible decision? Is it one that can be informed by numerous individuals or numerous considerations? So is it first a pure decision? Does it cause harm? Is it peaceable? Is it fair and equitable? And does it lend itself to consideration of others and being flexible? And then for the fifth thing, I look at whether or not it's just a kind, good-natured decision rooted in goodwill towards people. Does it produce good outcomes? Will it lend itself to, to, to more positive, productive outcomes versus spending most of our time dealing with uh, bad outcomes? 
does it lend itself to producing favorable outcomes that people and others, results that people and others can live with, that they can be happy with? So is it pure? Is it peaceable? Is it fair? Is it equitable? Is it considerate of others and flexible in nature? Does it lend itself to being a, a good outcome, producing good fruit, good results? And next, number six, is it clear? You, you, you can't make decisions during a pandemic that are impactful to the lives of others and not be clear. You've got to be clear. People should be clear. When we decided to start virtually, it was very clear that virtual instruction would, would be what we were doing, but why we were doing virtual instruction. And as we move back to face-to-face, -to -face, we're being clear. We'll be clear about why we're moving back face-to-face, -face, that our decisions are grounded in the data, that people can understand, they can logically follow the decision, that it's coherent, that it makes sense, that it, it's, it's edifying and uplifting and one that people can really grapple with and at the end of the day, at the end, the end of reflecting about it, they really understand the decision. Not necessarily that they agree with it, but that they understand, that they, they see where it's trying to take us. So is it a pure decision? Is it peaceable? Is it fair and equitable? Is it flexible, open to consideration of others? Does it yield good results? Is it clear? And lastly, does it come from a sincere place? I do believe that any, any decision that you make has to come from a good, sincere place, that you've got to make decisions that sincerely come from a place that will edify children, that will edify employees, that will edify families, that will edify the community, that is not based upon the needs of one person or the needs of a small group of powerful people or the needs of those who may have wealth and though at the expense of those who may not have wealth. But does the decision actually come from a sincere place? Will it produce the greatest good for all that are impacted by that decision. So you say, how have you made these decisions? First, I hadn't made them by myself. I have been in collaboration with the board, with staff, principals, community members, and others. But at the end of the day, when we consider what to do and looking at all the data and all the options, we ask ourselves, is it a pure decision? Does it cause harm? If it doesn't cause harm, does it lend itself to being peaceful, no confusion? Is it fair and equitable? Is it open and considerate of others, flexible in nature? Does it produce good results? Is it kind to all involved? Is it clear? And lastly, does it come from a sincere place? that edifies this entire community. So you have it. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you that every decision will be easy to make. We'll continue to make some tough decisions 
throughout this pandemic, whether it's here in the school system, whether it's about budgets and teaching and staffing, uh, or whether it's about feeding kids and transportation and school nutrition, and I'm sure you will as families and, and leaders within our community, will continue to make some difficult decisions. Hopefully I've given you some considerations that you can take into account as you make those decisions. But at the end of the day, just remember that you want to make a decision that you can live with, that you feel good about, that you know will produce good outcomes for, the, for most people involved, and that you know, you know, you know are absolutely good for our children. Well, hopefully, if nothing else, you're inspired to make some good decisions today. I want you to think about something that you've got to make a decision about. And I want you to go through a process before you decide what you want to do just to make sure that you're making the best decision to produce the greatest amount of good that will be uplifting to you, your family, to our community, to the school system, to our state, to our nation, and to our world. I thank you for participating. I look forward to you joining me on the next time we do. We come back and we discuss a topic that will inspire you to create the best K-12 educational experience for our children in a pandemic and beyond this pandemic. Because we know that one thing is certain, school and schooling will always be a part of the life or lives of our children. So before I go, I just want to just remind everybody that this podcast is going to be an opportunity for you to see another side of Dr. B and for you to hear from the various guests that we invite. They may be students and professionals and teachers and principals and doctors and lawyers and community leaders and elected officials, uh, anyone who is in a position to make decisions about our children. You'll hear from them on this podcast. But I want you to know this is going to be our time to just really connect and share with our community. And so we're not going to be, uh, you know, we're not going to be too rigid. We're going to be flexible. We're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to uh, hear about some issues, whether we like them or not. We're going to hear different perspectives. We're going to hear multiple perspectives. And we're going to hear, we're going to hear from folk who think the way we think, and we're going to hear from people who think differently from the way uh, we think. But we're going to have fun, and we're going to be inspired, and we're going to inform our community, and we're going to use this platform as another way of just engaging our community, and really to, to show the world that Clayton County is a community uh, that is an excellent choice, that's moving towards high performance. And we have something to say. We have something to share. We are on the move here in Clayton County. And this podcast will give us the opportunity to do that. So I hope, again, you will take time to join me as we work to inform and to inspire you using these podcasts. Again, I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, and you've been listening to, and I believe you'll come back to listen to, Be Inspired with Beasley, right here from Clayton County in the metro Atlanta area, 
Georgia, USA, right here.